I thought it was awesome. And I think that's kind of when I changed my mindset and my perspective of it, of like, okay, I still want to create stuff that I like and I still want to be writing about things that I am excited about. But there's a business opportunity here. Like I said, ever since I was really young, I've always kind of had a side hustle or five side hustles. And so I thought, hmm, okay, there's an opportunity here. A little light bulb went off. And I was like, okay, how can I maximize on this and do something that I am loving and also get paid for it? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jordan Anderson. Welcome to another episode. On this episode, we have Emily Nicole from The Emily Edition. She's a DC blogger and photographer. On this episode, we discuss using social media as part of your larger brand strategy. This episode has a ton of takeaways. I hope you've got a notepad for this one. It's a lot of marketing and branding and social media tips for you. Uh, yeah, let's just get started. Emily, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, if you want to give us just like a quick five-minute intro, uh, just like who you are, what you're about, what you've been up to. Totally. So recently, and I think the reason that you're having me on the podcast is for my blog, The Emily Edition. Um, that's something that I'm really passionate about. I started it. Well, I don't know if you're going to go. In, actually, pause. Are you going to go into the origin story yet? Yeah, let's do it all. Let's hear, okay, you, we'll, you, we'll start there. You can start from the beginning. It's so funny honestly how that started because I was working a nine to five corporate job and was doing social media, which is what I went to school for, like really passionate about social media. And so that was something that I wanted to get into. And I was doing that along with media relations and internal communications and just would get off work every single day and just feel so unfulfilled. And I can remember having all of these ideas, like creative ideas for photos that I wanted to do and all these other things. And I would go to my boss and I would pitch them. And she would always say, well, no, that's, you know, we don't do that. Or, ah, that's a good idea, but maybe later. Or, you know, that's not how we do things around here. And so eventually I got to the place where I was just feeling so inspired. And I remember getting off work one day and I called my mom and I was actually crying because I felt so stuck almost like it was the it was interesting because I never had gotten to a place like even throughout college and high school I always had like a little side photo business I always had some way that I was creatively expressing myself and so when I started working I didn't feel that. And I wasn't getting that satisfaction from my everyday job. And so that's kind of when it hit that breaking point And I realized like, I've got to start something like I'm here. I'm in DC. I just moved to DC. I had time. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start this. Like I'd always wanted to start a blog. In fact, ever since I was in high school, I think when I was 14 was kind of when I first realized that I wanted to have like a blog or a YouTube channel or just something like I, I originally, I wanted to be a YouTuber. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll start something like maybe I'll just put myself out there. And I'd always been too afraid, I think, of, you know, what are people going to think or are people going to judge me? Like, how is that? How is that going to play into things? And so I remember going home. I bought a website, thought up a name, bought a domain, and I went ahead and like just created the website. I um, wanted to write. And that was really where it started. Um, I just wanted to have an outlet where I could write and put all of my thoughts into a place and share them, share the things I was thinking about, share the things I was passionate about, share the places I was traveling. And so I started it initially for that. And then as time went on, I realized that I didn't really have a good way to drive traffic to that site that I created, right? No one knew about it. So I had this website that I created, but no one knew that it existed. And so... Um, I thought, well, let me start an Instagram to go with it. And so that's kind of when I started noticing it taking off a bit more is when I started the Instagram account. And when did you start? Give us the timeline between the blog and then the Instagram yeah, account. So the blog I started, well, I'd actually had multiple blogs um, throughout the years and I just never kept them up or I never like wanted to publicize them or share them with anyone because I was like, oh, people will judge me or they'll think this is weird or they won't like what I'm writing about. And so I'd never really stuck with it. Um, so the blog started January. Well, actually, the blog started a bit earlier. So the, the blog was 
The blog has been two or three years now. Okay. This um, is Emily Edition. Yes. Dot com, is it? Em- the Emily Edition the- dot com. Okay. Yeah. Um, it actually originally started, the first name I had for it was East 91 because I was so stumped and I couldn't think of a name for it. And that was like the college dorm, my college dorm's name. So I was like, I'm just going to call it East 91. Super niche. I know. Yeah, very. Yeah. And then I okay. like <laughs> grew to hate it as time went on. So I was like, I got to change this. I guess walk me through some of your education now because that's interesting that you went to school for social media or was it a marketing yeah. degree or like so yeah and then what kind of got you into that uh was it high school middle school like what kind of got you into i want to study marketing i want to study social media yeah so i think i'd always had that creative side that i just needed to have um when i was younger i can remember i would like teach violin lessons to all my neighbors i had lemonade stands um where I was selling like a ton of different things and I had like deals for people. I would type up people's recipe books for them as like a little side business. I always had a side hustle. I always had some kind of thing I was doing. Um, and then I started doing photography in high school. And that was like when I bought my first camera and I just started getting into it. I worked for a wedding photographer for a while and like interned with him. And so I just think I've always kind of had that need to have an outlet of some sort. And so that's what drove me to looking for a career that was conducive to that, where I would have an opportunity then to do that in my job. I always knew I would never be a numbers person. I always knew I would never be sitting like doing math or crunching numbers. And in fact, that was like one of my, as embarrassed as I am to say it, uh, that was one of my original motivations for going into communications was simply because I didn't want to do math. And I just knew like, this is not where my strengths lie. Fair enough. No, that's, that's fine. Um, and then what was the course curriculum like? Cause I always, you know, with college, uh, you kind of, you can't really blame them, but like yeah. their textbooks can only be so up to date. Their curriculum can only be so up to date. And especially with social media, I remember taking even just like a marketing one at one class and it was like, it was 2014 and I was like, what? Like that, this is like, you know, any, any advice, even a year old at yeah. that point was way off. It's outdated at that point. What was that like, uh, or what was the curriculum like with communication? Did they kind of teach you the basics? Did they teach you, are there like, are there tried and true, I guess, best practices in communication and marketing that no matter what the platform is always sticks? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Well, I think a big thing in any kind of marketing, public relations. Well, so let me clarify. Um, So I went to school uh, initially for public relations and advertising. And that's what I went into. And then I got my master's degree in strategic communications. Um, I think as far as best practices go, it's really just constantly staying on top of trends and just monitoring. You can never be off, I guess, in a way. Like you always need to be on. You always need to see what's going on and be able to jump on it at a moment's notice. So I think adaptability is a huge part of success in marketing, social media, public relations, any of that. Mm -hmm. And was that kind of your dig with the company you were working at? They were like, well, you said they were kind of stuck in their ways. Yes. That's very anti-trend following. Like you need to keep up the trends. Like you can't just be like, we have rules here. Exactly. And um, because they were such a corporate company, it was really difficult to find ways to be creative with them. And even if there were, I just think they weren't open to it. So that was, yeah, that played into or that. Or they meet you halfway and it's not quite what you're going for. And exactly. Like, it's, it's a shell of what you were trying to go for. Exactly. And I think it was just to the point where I felt like I'm spending every single day, I'm feeding all of this time and this energy into this huge corporate machine. And at the end of the day, I have nothing to show for it. Like at the end of the day, I, I have nothing that's my own that I'm really proud of that I want to share. So you've been in the DC area for, was that, was that th- right yeah. as you got out of college? So that was, oh, I'm trying to think now that initially I started that job three years ago. I would say I've been in DC two or three years now. And is being in DC, you know, cause I always think it's like where you are almost determines like what results you have yeah, with absolutely. your life. Like, is that has living in DC and a large metro area helped with your social media? Has it helped with your brand? Totally. Um, I think DC, even though a lot of people have the perception that it is a very political and buttoned up place, which it is, I think that there are also a lot of unique 
people and unique places that you don't see at first glance. And so that's been interesting to kind of explore that like through my blog and through my Instagram and through the different people that I'm meeting and working with. And I don't think I expected that. Um, initially, I just kind of started it as all right, so I have this article that I wrote on my blog. So what content do I need to create then to drive back to that? And I think in a way it's almost become more of my Instagram account now that's really kind of driving everything as opposed to the blog itself. So I do still write on it. Things have been crazy recently. So I feel like I haven't been as dedicated as I want to be on that specifically. Um, but the Instagram is really where a lot of my engagement and a lot of my partnerships are coming in now. And so I'm mo- mostly focusing on that. Yeah, we're, we're kind of hitting on I want to know more about uh, your strategy with the blog and Instagram. It sounds to me like Instagram is sort of your, uh, what you would call like top of funnel, mm-hmm. gets the most likes, gets the most views. And then was, is your strategy to attract people there to Instagram and drive them to your blog? So initially it was, and I think that is still part of the strategy, but I also think Instagram has almost in a way kind of become a standalone platform too. So the content on Instagram is not always driving to the blog. Like, yes, I hope that people will see the Instagram, that they will go on it, that they will appreciate the content and the work that I put into it, um, and that they will want to then go onto the blog. And I do have some pieces as well that will push back to it, stories that will push back to the blog, to an article I've written or to a campaign I've done. But I think also the Instagram has kind of become its own animal, I guess, in yeah, a way. You could very much make it a blog. I mean, I've seen like, yeah. you know, people put long form content on there. They'll write paragraphs and paragraphs into their blog post or their Instagram yes. post. And it's mm-hmm. like, it almost acts acts like it. Have you, have you done, have you experimented with like long form on Instagram a little bit? So I have with some, um, I kind of have a mixture. I do a lot of campaigns, um, on the Instagram. So sometimes it's kind of finding that balance of, all right, well, if I'm working with a brand, then this is not going to be like a long, really well thought out post about my life because I want to focus on the company that I'm working with. Um, I think if it is something more personal that I'm doing, yes, absolutely. I've done some like that. And I think that that, I think it's a really cool way to engage with people at a deeper level and not just make it so surfacey. So I think that's something that I definitely have done and enjoy doing. It's just sometimes finding the balance between not being too heavy. And some people, some people for their Instagrams, that's all they do, right? It's just like really, deep, well-thought-out captions, and that's kind of their brand. I don't know as much that that's specifically my brand, but I do like to put that in there, here and there. Nice. I almost want to back up even further. We're talking about marketing strategy with with your blog. I almost want to ask you about strategy in general, because there are, I mean, how important is it to have a strategy with this or to have a sort of like a dedicated direction to go versus, you know, there'll be some Instagram influencers or bloggers or lifestyle bloggers that are just kind of, they're doing it for fun. They're doing it for a hobby. Um, they may have started it on a whim and just said like, I want to do it. And now that they're in it and they've gotten some traction, then they kind of figure it out. What's been your approach or what, uh, what's been your approach overall? And what do you think about not so much specifically your strategy and you can go into that, but strategy in general or how, how important is it to have a like, I know exactly what I want to do and I want to want what I want this blog to be doing a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Yeah. So I started on a whim. It was just the kind of thing that I needed. I, I started it with no expectations. And I think now as kind of blogging and Instagramming has become so widespread, I think people now start it a bit more with different motives of, oh, I want to make money or, oh, I want to have a bunch of followers or I want to be famous or, you know, those kind of things. I want to travel. Yeah, exactly. I think for me, I just love to create. And so I was like, I need to have something. (laughs) And so that's why I started it. I started it with no expectations and it just, it kind of surprised me, to be honest. I, I really wasn't expecting it to go. Like if you had, If you had asked me a year and some change um, ago if this is where I thought it would be, I, you know, and it still has a ways to go, um, but I don't think I would have thought that I would have been here. And I don't think I would have thought that, like, I would have gotten some of these opportunities that I have. 
So it's just been interesting to see as it's kind of evolved because I did go into it with no expectations. I do think now as it has started to grow a bit more and as I have now, there's a whole business side of it. I think I do have to look at it a bit differently. And whereas when I originally started, it was just kind of, oh, fun. I'm just going to slap this photo up. I'm going to slap this photo up. I think now there is a lot more strategy and a lot more preparation that goes into each post and that goes behind the scenes that people just don't see. And so I think sometimes people are just like, oh, well, all you have to do is post a picture. Well, no, there's so much that goes into that one picture um, that whether it be working with a brand, whether it be um, submitting content for approval, whether it be invoicing, you know, sending analytics and statistics. I mean, there's a whole other side. I mean, I, I went into comms to not do finance. I find myself doing finance stuff all the time and keeping budgets and, you know, all that stuff, uh, doing taxes for it and things like that that, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't didn't anticipate originally. So you're, you're almost like the, how do I put it, like, like the fire grew and now you're just kind of like, or not the fire, but like something organic grew, but now you're just like, all right, I need to build a house around this. I got to like, exactly. I have to build the build the structure. There has to be what was once organic and very, you know, just it just happened and now just right. passion and dedication. Now it's turned into like, okay, now we have to like capture this and like make you know make it make yeah. make it continue to go, make it make money, make it you know sustain itself. Absolutely, and I think that's now been a challenge that I've kind of faced in a a different capacity of it is finding how do I keep that passion and that creative side of it that I started with how do I keep that going when it has become much more of a business yes what's the what do you see as the downside or or maybe the upside of of starting it on a whim starting with passion versus people nowadays going into it with uh, different motives, like you said, I want to travel, I want to get paid, I want to get brand deals, I want to get famous. What is the, is there a downside to those intentions? Is it like, does it lead to burnout? What, what, what could happen? I think so. I mean, I guess I can't speak to that, to as much of that side because that's not like, that's, I guess not ever been my mindset. So I haven't experienced the other side of it to like, to know, but I would imagine that starting it starting it for those reasons, like if it doesn't go well. I think I see a lot of that recently with Instagram's algorithms. And I just make a point not to talk about the algorithms because it just stresses me out. Um, but the, you know, the algorithms and things I see people constantly on their stories or on their feeds, like just so discouraged by it. And I think if you are starting it for that reason to where it's like, okay, well, I'm expecting this many likes. I mean, it's a it's obviously disappointing if you're expecting a certain amount of engagement and you just don't get it. But it's out of your control. But it's out of your control. Yeah. And I think if you're doing it because you love it, then those things at the end of the day, they they are just kind of a number. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different when you are working with a company, you want it to perform well. Um, but I just think it's a little bit different of a mindset that if you're not if your following isn't increasing as fast as you want it to, or your likes aren't racking up as fast as you or as much as you want them to, then it can lead to burnout and it can lead to you just being really discouraged and depressed about it as opposed to, you know what, I'm doing this because I love it. And yeah, it's frustrating that it's not performing the way I want, but like I'm still doing something that just gets me going and that I'm passionate about and that I love. Nice. Uh, I want to ask you about the moment that all this kind of like, I guess the the moment where it seemed legitimate or the, the moment where you seem like it was for fun, passion, and then like, wait a minute, like this is, whoa, this is real. Like this is actually something. What was that moment like? And, or like, how'd you, you know, was it a sudden moment or was it like over time you just kind of stuck your head up and you're like, wait, I'm, I'm this now? Yeah. Well, so it's interesting because when I started it and I mean, Influencers have been a thing now for what, 10 years, maybe? Yeah. Maybe about that time, I would say. I mean, you could even say like the celebrity endorsement is an influencer. True. You know? But as far as like for Instagram and that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. it hasn't been around that long. And I think even a year or two ago, I think the landscape was even vastly different than it is now. Yep. Um, 
And, so, and the model wasn't proven. Exactly. People were like, it's still like, what is, you know, how do you make money with that? Right. Exactly. And now we're seeing brands and businesses that are literally putting, they're pulling their money out of traditional advertising and even their own social advertising it and they're pouring it into influencers. Um, so that's been a really interesting thing to see. And we're just continuing to see that grow as time goes on. And I don't anticipate that slowing down anytime soon. Um, yeah, so that's been interesting, but I think for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember back. Um, was it like a follower count? Was it like yeah. a brand deal that came through? So or was- yeah, it was definitely, I can remember. Well, I, so I just started it and I don't think I even knew, I don't really even think it had clicked in my mind that you could get paid for it. I don't know that I really, or that I even expected that I, I would ever have something like that. I don't really know what I thought when I was starting it. I certainly didn't think for it that far. Um, and so I can remember the first time that a brand contacted me. It was actually Neutrogena. Um, they were the first brand that contacted me and they were like, Hey, we want to do a campaign with you. Um, we'll pay you X amount of money and like, we'll send you this. And I can remember being like, what? Like, not only are they going to send me something for free, but they're going to pay me too, just to post a picture of it. And I think that's when it kind of hit me that, Oh, wow, like there's something more to this. Like there's another side of this that I don't think I originally saw. And then from there, did you, were you scared? Did you just like, did you just like, no, I thought it was awesome. I'm going to double down on this now. I thought it was awesome. And I think that's kind of when I changed my mindset and my perspective of it, of like, okay, I still want to create stuff that I like and I still want to be writing about things that I am excited about. But there's a business opportunity here. And I've always, like, like I said, ever since I was really young, I've always kind of had a side hustle or five side hustles. And so I thought, Hmm, okay, there's an opportunity here. A little light bulb went off. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how can I maximize on this and do something that I am loving and also get paid for it for the Emily edition? Mm -hmm. What does a successful day look like for you? A successful day? Successful day. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, so I work full time still. Um, as do most of the DC influencers that I've met. In fact, pretty much all of them, minus a couple. Um, most of them do have full time jobs. And so that's interesting because balancing, balancing this with a full time job is a hard challenge. <laughs> Um, and I think it's only increasingly gotten harder as things have picked up with it and I don't foresee them slowing down. And so that's been an interesting thing to navigate and figure out, all right, how am I going to balance all of these different things? So a successful day would look like me going to my nine to five and then getting off, coming home and, um, working the rest of the night pretty much on, Drafting up captions, sending content to brands for approval, editing photos, sending out invoices, doing analytics, going through budgets, doing my content calendar, um, filming Instagram stories or unboxings or all that kind of stuff. And then all between the hours of what, 6 p.m. and 1 a.m.? Yeah, six. I try to get to bed by midnight if I can. Okay. So, yeah, between like 6 and 12. And that's most of my evenings. I'm working on that. Um, I try to take some nights off and I try to do other things, but my weekends are a successful weekend day would be a shoot day because obviously I'm working and busy during the week. So that's something that I really do on the weekends. So the weekends are when I pack my car full of clothes and I pick out my locations and I figure out, okay, what campaigns are due soonest, what brand needs what by what day. And then I go out and shoot all the content. And then during the week would be editing it sending it for approval, getting feedback, and then making adjust adjustments and edits as needed and all of that. <laughs> nice. I want to ask yeah. you about your photos um, because they're really good. Um, Thank you. And are they – do you work with a photographer? Or are they selfie photos or like is it a blend of both? Um, yeah, so they're all on my camera. So I, I also have a photography business on the side um, and that keeps me pretty busy too. So I do that. I shoot some weddings. I do um, – a lot of like different food styling. I do like menus for some different companies or like small restaurants in DC. Um, so that kind of stuff. So I, I've always loved photography and I think that's always been a passion of mine. So I typically will have either my sister or, um, a friend 
come with me and I have, I set up the camera. I tell them exactly how I want it. I set all the settings to how I want Mm -hmm. and then I just have them click the button. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Are are you like, I want to get in, I want want to get nerdy about this. Are you like, are you looking on your phone? You have like a a Wi-Fi app on your phone that you're looking at or are you just like, nope, I have them stand out there Okay. and I take the picture of them exactly as I want it to be and then I'll have them do the same. Just do the same. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> There's a. I came across one YouTuber, Sorella Moore. I think. She okay. Has, she has like. You should check it out. It's um. She has like the advanced. She calls it like the advanced selfie university. Oh my gosh. That's she awesome. does. She has a little Sony. She sets it up and on her Wi-Fi app, she looks at herself like, okay, I'll do that pose. Throws her phone out of frame. You know, does the timer three, two, one. Takes the photo, grabs her phone does it repeatedly i should invest in that i've done some self-timer stuff any of the ones in my house have probably been a self-timer but i do not have the remote for it so that's like been on my list to invest in but typically i just do the self-timer and then run you, you know do yeah, whatever hide your phone somehow. <laughs> yep. yeah with your photos are you taking them into lightroom or are you going on like do you have some kind of what's what's sort of the process from there you take the photos with your friend or with your sister uh multiple outfits multiple locations all and you're doing saturday and sunday so it just depends on how many campaigns i have and how much content i have to get out and then also what my weekend looks like if i have another shoot or if i have an event or something else i have to go to and that's another thing too is when i'm not doing my blog usually i'm going to pr events or doing that kind of stuff so that takes time too um but yeah the process for that looks like getting the photos. And I like to have creative control. I've thought multiple times about investing in a specific photographer for it, but I just, I love having creative control over it too much that I want to have the photos like in my hands and be the one to edit them and go through them. So that's kind of been my process for it. And I don't think that'll change, but after, so yeah, after I get the photos then I bring them back go through them, pull off the ones that I think are good. And then I will load them into Lightroom I have a preset that I've actually um, developed for just my Instagram. So all the photos look fairly consistent and that was kind of my goal with it. So I, I developed that for my Instagram. I have a separate one that I use mm-hmm. for other things and my, and, yeah, and my photography. Um, but I do have a really specific preset that I use just on my photos. And it's actually, I started selling it recently because again, business opportunity. Um, I'm always looking for ways that I can maximize on the things I'm creating. And I had a lot of people asking like, how are you editing these? Or like, how, how are you getting the lighting? What filters are you using? So I thought, Hmm, okay, this is a cool opportunity. So I created that and I have like a, um, PDF guide and stuff that comes oh, with perfect. it. So it's just like a digital product nice. that people can buy. Making money while you sleep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. With photography, if you bring on a photographer, you could almost count that or look at that as like, that's an extra cost. That's an extra either time investment with the relationship with that photographer or you're actually paying them outright. Right. And I've found, I mean, I've talked with other influencers and they seem to be siding on, the, they mostly do selfies or they do like a friend is it worth like is there is it worth it to get a photographer is it worth it to have somebody you know helping you make the content or like or what would what would it where how would the numbers need to make sense in order to get a like a, a content creator with you well i think as instagram becomes increasingly competitive it is good to have a strong visual presence so i think if you don't feel as though you have that yourself then i do think it is valuable to have a photographer and I would highly recommend having one unless your style is to do an iPhone photo where you're standing in front of a wall or something like that. And a lot of people do that and have had incredible success with that. So I think it just depends on what style you're going for too. Um, I just like photography too much to let my photos be iPhone photos. So that's something I've always been really passionate about. Yeah. You've got the base skill set for someone who doesn't have that skill set, the visual eye, the creativity for that, like, they are kind of, are they like are they screwed or they just have to find a way to work around that or? I think you find a way to work around it and I think that can look like iPhone photos um, if that's the vibe that you're going for and I think that is a legitimate vibe um, but if you want it to have a bit more of a professional look to it or that specific kind of more creative artistic look 
then I would say, yeah, I think a photographer would be a great investment or invest in a camera and teach yourself, yeah. you know, some of the basic skills. $500, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, you can get great DSLRs now for very inexpensive, mm-hmm. like, like very inexpensively. You can oh, yeah. purchase them. Um, so, yeah, so your skill set is photography. How much... I want to ask him, like, because there's, you know, there's audio like we're doing now. There's the written word, video, photo. Is it, what advice would you give to starting influencers? Is it, is the written word on your blog post, is that more powerful than a photo? Is a, fo- is a video more powerful than a photo? You know, like, what's, uh, and then is it, like, playing to your strengths? What, what like, I'm kind of, I'm all around with this kind of topic. Yeah. But I want you to, like, hit, hit at this with, like, uh, there are different types of content that can be made. And for the skeptic who's like, I'm not good at photography. I'm not good at video. Uh, but I'm really good at writing. Is that like, would you tell them to double down on that? Or would you say like, you need to learn if you want to make it in this, you've got to know photography. I think you need to identify your strengths and capitalize on them. And if there's an area that you're not strong in either like sit down and learn it. Everything that I've learned about photography has been, me learning it myself, reading the manuals cover to cover, interning with photographers, working with professional photographers who do it full time. That's how I've learned it. So, I mean, anyone can, like if you truly have the interest and the desire to learn it, you can. Um, or if you can't find someone who is good at it and bring them on to help you do it. But I don't think that there's one method to success. I think people follow people for a variety of reasons. You know, you may follow someone because they're just hilarious and they post hilarious videos and the videos may not be amazing quality, but you may follow them for their personality. Um, you may have someone that is an incredibly strong writer and you follow them for that. You don't follow them for their visuals. So I think f- determining what your strengths are and then capitalizing on those in a way that is uniquely you. So I think for me, I knew like, yeah, I'm not hilariously funny. Like I don't have a personality that just I can like put out crazy vines and make people just die laughing and sharing with all their friends. Right. But I do like being creative and I have a visual eye for photography. So like, how can I incorporate that into what I'm doing? So that's what I've tried to do. I see. Uh, let's switch. I want to talk about the financial side of all this. Let's talk about, we can talk about setting your rate we talk about like how much is your time worth uh even the even the i guess like startup cost to getting a lifestyle blog let's start with uh setting your rate how did like the first time that you got that neutrogena email and they sent you we're gonna pay you this we're gonna give you this i'm sure it was just like hell yeah like there was no pushback (laughs) over time and then even like like you said you were in the wedding photography game uh, you kind of learn your rate. Like what's, how have you gone about learning your rate in the lifestyle blogging world? Yeah. So that it's a very ambiguous thing because no one really talks about it and no one really knows, you know, it's hard to know how much you're worth and what is like, what is posting a photo on Instagram? What is it worth? And so I think for a while, yeah, it was just accepting whatever. And a lot of companies, especially when you're starting out or when you have a, like a lower follower count, like under 10,000, um, they'll want to just send you things for free. And I think that there's, I think that there's a fine line. I think that there's a line of knowing what you're worth. And I think there's also a line of saying, but I also want the experience and I want this like on my quote resume, even though you don't really have a resume, but so I think there was kind of striking that balance and saying, okay, I, I just think I have a hard time when people with a couple hundred followers or under a thousand followers even, um, have come to me for advice and they say things like, oh, well, I know I'm just, I'm worth this. Like, I'm not going to work with this company because I'm like worth money. I'm like, well, but you're also like starting. And I think it would almost be a really valuable experience and it would be good for you to get some experience like that, to try it out and to test it. So I would say like, don't turn your nose up at getting valuable experience. Um, but I think as you continue to grow and as you continue to have less time, I think it's also really important to know your worth and to say, 
I am worth this much. Like my time is worth this much. I am spending hours styling these things, going out, driving to locations, shooting it, editing it, writing content, then posting it and engaging with it, then sending you analytics. Like there's so many pieces that go into it. So I think it's really just, it's just a balance. Um, I don't know if that really answered the question. Well, no, we can, I mean, we're kind of chipping away at it. Is it, is it setting an hourly rate? Is it setting a, you know, cause I, I face this all the time in, in video production. You know, do you set your hourly rate on a video or do you set, you know, just a big fat price check next to price tag next to it? Um, and then of course there's going to be pushback from the company, from the brand. What's like, I guess what would be like a first, you know, you're first starting out maybe, or like now you've got a little bit of traction. You maybe hit 10,000 followers. How are you now? Uh, or how would someone like determine their price then? Are they, cause what's, so, what, what's the best practice for that? Yeah. So there's, um, there's a variety of ways you can do it. And I think it also depends on the brand. I, so it's not typically an hourly thing. I would typically charge them for the job. So from, from start to finish, this is what it's going to cost for this. And I would recommend anyone who's like looking to get into this to create a media kit. And I think that that was one of the things that I did really early on, um, that someone else had given me that advice to do that. And so that's like a really helpful way to show your worth to the brand as opposed to just saying, okay, well, I want you to pay me this, but rather saying, here's what I can deliver. Here's what my demographics are. Here's the type of followers that I have. Um, and then here's some previous work that I've done and here's some examples of it. Here's who I am and what my blog is about. And just giving them that really nice picture of who you are and your worth, I think it plays a huge role into being able to set a good rate as well, um, by showing them what you can provide. And I think just constantly keeping the quality of content up plays a huge role into that too. Because then when they look at your feed or something like that, they'll see the kind of work that they'll be getting. Mm-hmm. When have you said no to a project or what were the grounds for saying no to a project? I think if at the point, at this point now, if it's not meeting a certain level of payment, I, I, you know, there's, there's some brands that I will genuinely work with, um, regardless of whether they pay me or not. I just love them. Like I will, I would, so even if they didn't pay me, I would still just love to work with them. So I try to keep most of the brands I'm working with like to that criteria of, okay, if I wasn't getting paid for this, would I still want to do it? And I think especially with, I think that's a a main reason that I've stayed away from like the beauty side of what I've done with my blog is just because I, I don't think I could like, there's some brands that I do genuinely love, but I don't think that I can legitimately, I don't, I don't think I can legitimately promote a huge number of brands in that way, just without having tested it out or trying it or like knowing if I actually like it, I just wouldn't feel right about it. And I know a lot of people say that, like that's a, just a common right catchphrase now for people to say, Oh, well, I only work with brands if I love them, but I think it's true. And I think that that should be the grounds of determining whether you work with a brand or not. Um, so I've had some brands that have offered me a lot of money and it's, you know, who doesn't want that? But at the end of the day, I, I can't, sacrifice like my integrity and I can't sacrifice like my followers trust in me for money. Like at the end of the day, that's not worth it because then what if they go out, they spend their hard earned money on that and it really is a horrible product. Then I, my trust has just gone down and I've just lost, you know, someone who believed in what I said. You're the gatekeeper between right your audience right like the brand the brand is going to want to bully you they're going to want to like well hey we'll just give you free product we'll give you exposure we're going yeah. like, to pay you as little as possible but we want access to your audience right and i think knowing the worth of that i think also you know you have brands too that will push back and i always say if i do work with any kind of brand like that i'll always tell them hey, I need like a three to four week trial period of it before I would share anything like that. And if a brand is not willing to give me that, then I don't, I don't work with them. I just truly believe like if you can't give me three or four weeks to see if I actually like your product, then I'm not going to work with you. Um, also, I've had brands that have given me three or four weeks and I've tried it and I haven't liked it and I have to come back and say, sorry, I don't like it. Like I can't share this. And that has happened. <laughs> let's Let's go through the... I want to say I won't say the accounting side of things 
because we, we'll avoid the math. Yeah. <laughs> um, but startup costs. What like being a lifestyle blogger is a and being just like a personal brand is a seemingly cheap thing, or there's a low barrier to entry. Right. In a lot of ways, it's almost about it's almost about sweat equity and just like putting in the work right. versus buying buying this or investing in a product or investing all this time to do code or something. Uh, what would you say is a typical startup cost? And we've kind of hit on it with the domain and website. Typical startup cost for becoming a lifestyle blogger. So as far as a domain and website, it's pretty low. And I would recommend that anyone that's going to do it, like, just go all out. Don't do any of these halfway other domain. Like, get your own domain. Get your own email address for it. Get your own, like, get all the things. Um, just, I think it makes a huge difference and it makes it look a lot more legitimate. But the cost is not high. I mean, you can get a domain and a hosting site now for a couple hundred dollars a year for a, just a basic website and you can get a basic theme that you can plug stuff into. Now, if you want to get more into the coding side of it, like you can do all that. But I think it doesn't take a rocket science scientist um, to figure out how to do it. And I, I think that the caught like the barrier to entry is pretty low. So I would say just go all out if you're going to do it. So we've got domain, we've got hosting and we've got either yeah. like a WordPress or a Squarespace kind of, kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Um, so that's like, now we're in like $200. Uh, then I think it determines if you're wanting to purchase equipment. So if you're getting a camera or something like that, obviously that would be a cost that goes into it. Um, initially, before I started getting most of my things sent to me for brands, it was just kind of an investment of my own of, okay, I'm going to buy these clothes and I'm going to buy these props. And I mean, I still purchase props and hats and shoes. Like, you know, there's different things that I buy to go then with certain things that I'm advertising. Um, you know, paying to get into a certain place to go shoot there. There's things like that, paying for the gas to drive there or the transportation to get there. Or, so, or yeah, or like a restaurant, you pay for the food there. Right. Yeah. And would you recommend, I mean, would you recommend that at the beginning? Or is it just like, you just sometimes just have to do that? I think it, I think it depends again, kind of on if you're, if you're doing lifestyle, yes. I think it depends on what type of brand you, you are and what your purpose is with it. But for me, yeah, absolutely. I think it's worth it to go all, go all out and just try different things and experiment, find out what works and what doesn't. And there's some things that I've tried and I've thought it's a great idea. And then I realize, okay, like maybe I won't do that again. You just learn and you don't do it again. And then even, uh, and we talked before the podcast about travel and would you even go so far as to invest or like on spec, go travel somewhere, take some photos. Like I'm going to fly to Paris and take a bunch of photos and hope this works out. Is that like, is that, Absolutely. Is that a gamble that's worth maybe worth a shot that's i mean and there <laughs> that's kind of a controversial subject too I, I feel like within like lifestyle blogging is people that will travel places just because if you tag those specific locations for example like you said paris um you will get so much more engagement simply by tagging like that location it was interesting because i just went to paris and london um a couple weeks ago well i guess a couple months ago now and um the photos that we took there did leaps and bounds better than anywhere else simply because of the geotag on them so that's really interesting and now you're like international world success you're like hey i'm well traveled what's going on (laughs) yeah yeah it's not just the washington monument oh exactly um exactly so it's almost worth it or it's like oh i would say absolutely and i think Tra- uh, travel has been it's something that I want to continue I try to plan trips every you know two or three months just to keep something new and fresh and different on the feed I think people like seeing travel and I hate to say that I would travel for the purpose of that oh, because the, I don't think that's true yeah it's like are you um, going there with the intention to have fun or is it yeah. business first and then the fun will just hap- happen yeah All and right. it depends on the trip I think a lot of my trips recently so I go with my sister and she does similar a similar kind of thing to me. So we're on the same page. So when we go, like we go for photos. And when we went to Paris, we brought suitcases and we wore our ball gowns and we 
you know, trekked all around Paris with our suitcases and our camera equipment and our ball gowns. And we like took photos everywhere. And that's like why we went. I couldn't have done that if I was going with, you know, some friends mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, it'd be a drag. It yeah. W- yeah, no one wants to do that. But we literally, when we were there, I mean, we saw a lot and it was amazing. And we tried to take times where we weren't taking photos. But I mean, we were taking photos most of the time we were there. And that was like a huge priority. I mean, we planned out the outfits weeks in advance we had all the locations like we had a scheduled itinerary of when we were going where and where we were getting the photos and so it's like yeah but like you said it's like it's a passion for you it's fun it doesn't doesn't feel like work yeah nice um finally in the financial side let's talk about some revenue streams um it sounds so formal um we talked about brand deals brands paying you to do xyz uh what are some other and you kind of talked about maybe with presets. What are some other revenue streams for a blog or for uh, an Instagram influencer? So um, a huge revenue stream is my presets that I sell. So I, I find that anytime I will share about those on my stories or I'll share like before and after kind of little screenshots or things like that, I always get a bump. And so that's something I'll try to share about here and there um, just to remind people that, hey, they're here. And, you know, if you want to check them out, that's a great. Yeah, that's been a great revenue source. Um, there's also a lot of like affiliate programs now that people will do. So like like to know it is one. Twenty one buttons is one reward style. There's a lot of those kind of things. Share share style, I think, is one. Um, but like to know it is so fascinating how that works. Yeah, just it's like, very fascinating. Take a photo. All the, it's all there. I know. Yep. And you just link everything. And so it's a great way because I think initially when I started it, I didn't start it to share clothes. I literally started my blog because I just wanted to share about where I was going and where I was eating. And it's kind of evolved a bit as I've, st- as I've done it into more of like a fashion side that I, I honestly didn't anticipate it to, but it's been kind of an interesting place to explore. Um, so yeah, like to know it's really interesting. You can link, um, a lot of the anything you're wearing or your, you know, you can even link furniture on there now. It's crazy. Whoa. Link all your home stuff and get that 4%. I know, right? Holler. And then you get like a, you get a co- partial, uh, portion of the commission off of it. So that's, that's been an interesting kind of space to explore. Are banner ads or like, AdSense is that still a thing on blogs? So it is. I've kind of stayed away from that. Okay. Like just the side because banner, I like click here. Yeah, okay. I I don't really. I just have never wanted it like that much to have it on there. I do. I do do sponsored posts on my blog. So that will be like if a brand wants a more long form review of something or they want me to share something a bit more in depth. And those I do charge a lot more for, but those, that's a great revenue stream too. It obviously takes more time and effort and work, but, um, I would say that's another thing as opposed to the Instagram that I do as well. Yeah. That's, I've always seen Instagram influence influencers as like you're kind of selling real estate mm-hmm. in a way, like, do you want this plot of land? Do you want this big plot of land? Or do you want this huge plot of land? It's like, you know what, you know, and some, the small plot of land may be more popular and get more eyeballs versus the giant plot of land. So it's That's like, exactly the, could, I mean, you could almost price, I mean, are you pricing your Instagram stories differently than your sponsor posts different than your Instagram posts? Absolutely. Post? And I have packages as well. So if you want like, just Instagram stories, here's how much it is. If you want an Instagram story and a static post, here's how much it is. If you want all three or if you want just a blog post. So you can mm-hmm. mix and match. Yeah, it's what we call it bundling. Or like yep. you can bundle it, unbundle it. Exactly. Like, yep. yep. So I'll have some brands that just want Instagram stories or they don't have the budget to do something larger, but they still want to be featured. So it's like a great way for me to say, okay, well, I'll do, you know, for this, you can do your Instagram stories and we'll have a swipe up to your website. Um, for other ones, they have the budget and they want more long form content. And so I'll like write a blog post for them. So it just kind of varies. So with your revenue streams and your presets and getting traffic to your blog. Uh, are you running any kind of advertisement? Are you doing kind of like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, uh, Google ads? Like if you are, how have those worked out and like what sort of like your strategy behind that? Yeah. So, um, have not done as much with Facebook. I just don't find, I just don't find the return on investment to be very good there. I think Instagram is really kind of where it's at. So I have done some paid um, social promotion for Instagram. And I find a lot of times, too, I will actually do that through the brands. So I even find... So 
one company I'm working with right now, it's really interesting because they will actually <laughs> boost some of my posts and I don't even know it. Um, but because that's like in the contract and that's like one of the things that we've worked out. So a lot of times I'll just have people come up to me and they'll be like, Oh my gosh, like I've, I've had coworkers come up to me and be like, Oh, I've seen you like a sponsor, like sponsored ads all over my Instagram. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of been interesting. I do some paid, um, promotion. I don't do a lot of it because I do like the organic side of it. And I have found a decent amount of success doing, I haven't found, let me, let me rephrase this. I think I haven't found significant ROI in the way in like how much I'm willing to invest in it. Okay. I think, so they, you know, they see an Instagram story, they get it's sponsored. They could swipe up, go to your website. Right. So far you haven't seen that work out exactly how you want it. So, well, I've seen a follower bump in that, but I have almost seen more in getting tagged by like feature accounts or, um, getting something that's on the explore page or going somewhere that's really interesting. So to me, instead of throwing a ton of money at it, which I have done, I just haven't seen, I've even targeted it. I mean, I've done a lot of, I do digital for my full-time job as well. So yeah. I do like, I know, you know, the CRM, I know the process, C- right? All, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so it's just been interesting to do that, like for a really large company versus doing it for myself. And so I've done a lot of the similar things and I just haven't seen, um, as much growth as I want. Now that's not to say that couldn't change, but I think I've found more success in really honing in on the content that I'm creating and trying to either shoot at a specific location or tie it in with something else. Okay. So more hacking, trying to hack it organically. Yeah. I got featured by like, um, the visit Washington DC page. I mean, they have like 400,000 followers and I can remember it was like last summer and I used to tag them in a lot of stuff. Like I would create content during that specific summer. Like I would create content like very specifically that I would think, okay, they might like reshare this or something like that. And they did. And it was like, yo, that really helped. Like I saw a huge bump. Um, I also, I don't know if you're familiar with like Julia Engel, but she has like a million followers. She has like a whole clothing line. So I actually invested the money, bought like a ton of her clothes, shot in all of them. And then it was reshared on her like boutique as well as her personal page. And that was like, I mean, that was like a thousand followers overnight. So there's like things like that too, that I've found have been more beneficial than throwing a ton of money at it, which I guess it's putting money at it in a different way, Yeah. but rather than just a ton of advertisements, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So you wouldn't like, you wouldn't say rule out paid advertisement? No, absolutely not. I but, think there's definitely a place for them. Um, so Emily, where can we find your stuff? Website, Instagram, where can we find all of it? Yeah. So you can find me, um, online at the Emily edition.com. You can find me on Instagram at the Emily edition, pretty much the Emily edition anywhere. Pinterest. Consistent. Facebook. Yep. I like we try it. to consistent branding, try to keep it consistent around here. Cool. Well, Emily, thanks for being on the show. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Another episode in the bag. You have just listened to the Jordan P. Anderson podcast. Be sure to head over to jordanpanderson.com for more. That's about it, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jordan P. Anderson podcast. If you'd like to become a subscriber to my daily email where I talk about business and marketing strategies for your creative small business, then go to tinyletter.com slash Jordan P. Anderson. I also have a few online classes to help get your creative business off the ground. You can find these classes at jordanpanderson.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.